Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. All right, DCU 57, St. Peter's 54, everyone exhale, because this game should not have been as dramatic as it was. You saw the start VCU had, any of you do, who watched it, got out to a, you know, got out to a 17-point lead, 29-12. St. Peter's was 2-for-15 to start the game. So VCU's playing really good defense. They're getting their they're forcing turnovers. They're getting on in the fast break. It's beautiful the way they're playing. But from there, it was just not a good game. And there were a lot of things, there are a lot of things to point out that were really bothersome. Uh, we're gonna I'm gonna start with the coach, Mike Rhodes, not using his timeouts well. This has been something that's been a problem. His philosophy is to let the players play out of it. This team was not ready to play out of it. Um, he needed to call a timeout way before he did after they got the big lead and then St. Peter's pushed back. And that 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 and see that's where and that's where the rest of this comes from. You know, you've got them down 17 points, you're at home, you're the you're the big name team. You could really take have an opportunity to take St. Peter's' heart from them. Get a big lead going into halftime and cruise home the way Davidson did tonight against Delaware. Uh, the, the way you know some of the other uh, some of the other uh, A10 teams uh, did that. You know George George Mason I think did that as well. Well, he didn't have as big a lead at halftime, but you know that's what you want to do. That that's what you're trying to do on opening night. You're trying to really really go. You've got an opportunity against a team you're clearly better than. You need to, you need to crush them when you've got your their foot on their neck, and they didn't do it. And that's down to the coach. And the same thing happened in the second half when they had a, when they got a bit of a working margin, and then he let it go too long. There's so many new players on this team. You can't let them play out of it because they haven't got everything figured out yet. And that's the other thing. This offense was going to be a struggle. I think we knew that. We saw that in the Virginia State game. And again, that you know, these going through these stretches that they go through, that's what's going to happen. And you don't have a Bones Highland that can get his own shot and kind of get you out of that. They don't. And it was clear. Second half, you know, they get they get the, they get the Keyshawn Curry basket with seven twenty six left, and they don't get another basket until Hassan Ward's unbelievable tip in. Where he's going from behind his head almost when he hits when he hits the ball and it, and and knocks it in the hoop there to give them the lead back after they had fell behind. That was an incredible play, an incredible play by Hassan Ward. But that was a seven-minute, one-second stretch without a field goal in the second half, and and they would they were going to lose the game because of it. And and Ward makes a great play. And and they hang on, they hang on and win the game after that. Uh, and Ward, bunch of great defensive plays at the end. Even though he yeah, he had four blocks in the first half, didn't have a block in the second half, but a great a bunch of great defensive plays. And he was and and Defu, 
who was a preseason player of the year candidate out of the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, by the way. They, that's who they picked to be their preseason player of the year. That's how good Indefo's supposed to be. So worried about Ward knocking the ball away that he doesn't see Vince Williams, who makes the play, knocks the ball away to, to save the game, and then gets the two free throws at the end uh, to, to kind of put some gloss on the night that he had him. And, you know, Vince Williams will have better nights than this, two out of eight from the field. Nine points, but five rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block. You know, he's he's stuffing the stat sheet. But offensively, you know, that seven minutes, it's just mistake after mistake. And the thing that shocked me looking at the box score is that they had less turnovers in the second half because it felt like they had more. They, I, I, It felt like I was surprised that they had 11 at halftime, and I was surprised they only had eight in the second half. It felt like they had more. Uh, really disjointed on offense, and look – they won the game, and that's great. 12 assists on 18 field goals, assisting on two-thirds of your field goals, that's that's all right. That's what I'm looking for. 12 assists, 19 turnovers, that is unsustainable. You cannot do that and win consistently. You certainly cannot do that against high-profile teams that we're going to play, whether against Power 5 teams, against ODU when they have to go down there and play. You can't do that. You cannot do that. Simple as that. And before I get to the positives, i got to focus on that. And you know what? This kid's a true freshman starting guard. And we are. We, and, and I'll admit, I and probably a lot of other people were completely and utterly spoiled by how good Ace Baldwin was as a true freshman last year. Because it was rare that you saw him get out of control. It happened. Because he's being because because of his relative because he's so young, it happened. But it was pretty rare. Jaden Nunn has got to slow down, and I and I guarantee you, when they look at the film at this either tomorrow, uh, either tomorrow that being Wednesday or Thursday, I think Ace Baldwin's going to be in his near because Jaden Nunn, being a young pup and like a young puppy. They're kind of going 500 miles an hour around the house. And sometimes they're having a few accidents on the floor. And that's that's what Jaden Nunn was tonight. I want to praise him for this. Five out of six free throws. Important. VCU made some free, missed some free throws in the second half. 10 to 16. You don't want to see that after a pretty good first half. Made enough of them at the end. But he was five out of six, which is really good. Curry was six out of eight, which was really good. We're going to talk a lot about him in a minute. Jaden Nunn was going too fast on offense. He was he was just I like the fact that he wants to attack the basket and and do it with abandon. But reckless abandon is a problem at times. And you know, he got he got called, it must have been two or three times he got called for a charge, it felt like. Uh, and it was frustrating. And because they 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 were onto it and they were baiting him every chance that they could. And there were a couple other times where he drove in there and should have kicked it out and didn't. And either took bad shots and turned it over. He had one assist and six turnovers tonight. You can't have that out of the point guard. Uh, I, I just, you cannot have that. Six turnovers is, is just a horror show out there. And, you know, he's definitely got talent. He's got great energy on the defensive end of the floor. I, was, I really liked some of the things I saw from him there. And in general... As a unit, they were they they had great energy on the defensive end of the floor, and it showed. I mean, really, 
St. Peter's got back in the game behind that Eddard making all those dead gum threes. And without that, I think VCU could have won this game a little more comfortably. But Jaden Nunn, you got to slow down and let the game come to you. It's you just you just can't zip your way past everyone. Sometimes you're going to have to probe. Sometimes you're going to have to wait for that for that pass or that lane to open up. Sometimes you're going to have to stop your progress and either pull up and take a jumper or kick the ball with somebody else. And that was something that Ace Baldwin was so good at. He he had such a feel for the game. And again, you know, that's that's a hard thing to develop. That's something that sometimes you're born with. But Jaden Nunn, he really didn't have a feel for things at times. But again, I want to praise him for his foul shooting and his defense. He had four steals tonight uh, out of the 10 that VCU had. And, and look, uh, four steals from him, three steals from Curry, two steals from Vince Williams. Those three guys really, really got after the uh, the the backcourt of St. Peter's big time. Um, Eddard made those threes. But Banks, uh, but uh, Banks and Lee, the other two guards that started and played over thirty minutes, they were three of sixteen combined, and one of eight from three. They made their free throws, but from the field, they were doing nothing. And and Vince Williams, among others, was part of that effort against Indefo, not only getting him in foul trouble, uh, but he really struggled. You know, four ten from the field, only got to the ten points. Although he did score the basket that put them ahead late. But this team in general, slow down. Slow down. Breathe. Take a moment. Think your way through because you're capable of that. The other, th- the other thing, the other thing that was that was that was a big takeaway for me in the negative is the rebounding. Minus seven on the board. Minus nine on offensive rebounds. And remember. It's not like VCU shooting the lights out and so they have less opportunities to get offensive rebounds. They're only shooting for the game 41.9%. St. Peter's got 15 more field goal attempts. I mean, that that just blew my mind when I saw it. 15 more. So again, VCU's defensive effort had to be Sterling tonight. They had to hold them to 31% and only 33% from three. Because, A, VCU didn't make any threes themselves. They had a terrible night from behind the arc, two for 14. Uh, Vince made one, and Jimmy Nichols, uh, in his brief cameo, made one. It was a nice shot, too. But 15 more field goals. And, I mean, when you commit 19 turnovers, even though the other team commits 21, but you get out-rebounded like that, especially on the offensive offensive rebound, that's how that happens. And (laughs) you cannot see that down in the Bahamas when we get to those games. You cannot see that against Penn State or Vanderbilt. You cannot see that in conference play. Um, I mean, that's that's just asking so much of your defense. And again, this defense tonight was, was if the offense is, is not where it needs to be and needs a lot of work, the defense looks like it's right where we want it to be right uh, as early in the season. I mean, they got after it. Curry fantastic. None did a great job defensively. Uh, I thought Josh Banks came in and caused some problems on that end of the floor. I liked the way, and of course, Hassan Ward, the four blocks 
which definitely and, – and the only thing you'd have to – you'd say negative is he didn't get a block in the second half, and they only had two blocks as a team in the second half. That said, he made some defensive plays down the stretch, you know, getting his hand in there and knocking balls away and that sort of thing. Curry was just all over whoever he was guarding cheap suit style tonight. It was great to watch. I'm so glad to have him back. I think if anybody heard the, pre-season, the, pre- the season preview pod uh, that we put out Monday uh, – you would certainly know that. And, you know, he didn't shoot the ball well, three for nine from the field, but making the free throw six of eight and just defensively getting getting right in the grill of anybody he was guarding, uh, it, was, it was fantastic. And, I mean, he made some big plays in the second half to stop St. Peter's momentum when they were when it was gathering for them. And, and he deserves a lot of praise for that as well. Um, Want to see more from Marcus Sahonis? He was pressing a little bit. And again, you know, you're a transfer. I understand it. You're trying to show, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're on a new team and you're trying to show your team something, show the fans something. You can't force this thing. You can't force it. And, and they've got to work. There were, there were not as many possessions as I would see at times last year where one guy had touched the ball or two guys would touch the ball and a shot would go up and it was early in the clock. There wasn't as much as that. But they're going to have to understand something. They don't have a Bones Highland that they can just throw it to at the end of the shot clock and he makes something happen. They have to make something happen as a team. They don't have a closer yet. That was something somebody said in the uh, in the uh, game thread in the fan group I'm in. They're absolutely right. We don't. So if you don't have a person that, that can do that for you, that you know you get it to them and it's an instant bucket at the end of the game, then it's really tough, and the way to do it is you have to do it as a team. You have to work together. You have to move. The ball's got to move. The people have to move off the ball to create those lanes, to create those angles, to create those opportunities, to create those wide-open looks that you need. They got away with it tonight, thank goodness. Because, again, it would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, the A-10... Uh, this, this, this would, this I would do this uh, in the fan group. It'd be hashtag A10 brethren. Uh, the A10 had a pretty decent start tonight. Only uh, I think only LaSalle lost. Yeah, only LaSalle lost out of all the teams in the A10 tonight. Um, and and some teams struggled like Richmond, were, you know, who was down at halftime. Uh, Duquesne was down at halftime to Ryder. Uh, UMass was down at halftime in Maryland, Baltimore County, and they all rallied in the second half. Even St. Bonaventure, who everybody's just crazy about and is nationally ranked, they were only up four at halftime, and then they absolutely strangled the life out of Siena. So, they, so the fact that VCU was in a bit of peril at the end and got out of it is good. What worries me is the season that was you know, such a real disappointment for them they kind of had an opening like this night against this, like North Texas. Granted, North Texas turned out to be a lot better than what people thought. You know, they ended up really good uh, in that Sun Belt conf- uh, in the Conference USA. And and there's two things we have to remind ourselves: we have people missing, one of whom we maybe will get back, but the, the other two we won't. Uh, Watkins and McAllister, Baldwin, we may get back in January. We have a lot of new faces in here, and integrating them all is not going to be easy. You just you just hope that you hope that you're going to see uh, the new guys start to knit themselves into the framework as quick as possible. 
I mean, he only got seven and a half minutes tonight, but Jalen Deloach had a couple block shots. So you like something like that from him, and you and you and you're like, okay, that's a nice little start. We want to see more from him, obviously. So we have to keep those two things in mind. And of course, St. Peter's was picked finished second in their conference, so they're supposed to be a good team. If if St. Peter's is second in their conference out of the Metro Atlantic Athletic, you're talking about a team that's going to win anywhere from 18 to 21 or 22 games this year. So it's a win that may not look like much tonight, but may actually look all right uh, down the line. And we have to keep that in mind as well. Um, and look, when you think about the fact that, that Doug Eddard was 5 of 7 from 3 and 6 of 11 from the field, and the rest of the team's 12 of 47 and 2 for 14 from 3, it's one guy that, that, that made this game close, but it's also VCU's own doing. So many of these turnovers tonight were just, were just not great defense by St. Peter's, but uh, self-inflicted mistakes, self-inflicted wounds. And that's, you know, again, these, this is, these are the things that you have to work out in these early uh, non-conference games. These are the kind of struggles you're going to have when you have as much turnover as you've got, and you had a and, and you had a guy to get drafted in round one of the draft. You know, we're not Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, uh, some of these other teams that have two and three guys drafted and then just reload. It's, it's we're not like that at this point, and so it's not going to be easy when these situations come up. And so. As frustrating as some of this performance was and as worrying as some of the aspects are, we've got to remember the situation we're in here. We've had some terrible injury trauma. We're turning, we turned over a lot of the roster last year. This is going to take time. And what you hope is that by the time we get to Thanksgiving and the big tournament in Atlantis that a lot of these kinks will be worked out. That's why Wagner on Saturday – Vanderbilt next week, Chattanooga next weekend. That's what we have to do. And while and while we're doing that, we have to win as well. So, you know, that's the challenge this coaching staff has. But the coaching staff's got to help, and I'm going to go back to it again because I just really want to emphasize this one more time. Mike Rhodes, you got to understand this team is not ready to play itself out of it yet. It was not – it was probably – Closer to that point last year, at, at, at you know at certain points of the season, uh, where you could do that, but that that philosophy's got to be binned for a little while. You're trying; these guys are trying to figure out how to play with each other, and they're trying to figure out how to how to balance everything and make it work. You got to help them. You got to you got to call these timeouts and use them and reset them. And reset them mentally when they need to be. You got to when when you the, when the offense has three or four bad possessions in a row because you know uh, uh, you you've got a you've got a nice you've got a nice thing set up and and the pass is poorly executed and you get a turnover or somebody gets a charge or somebody takes a quick shot the shot clock without running the offense or whatever it is you've got to call a timeout especially if the other team's scoring and getting momentum. Say okay, wait a minute. We're not playing our kind of basketball. We're not connected. We're not sharing it. We're not moving on. We're not moving without the basketball and offense. It is your job and the staff's job to recognize when things are starting to go the wrong way and put a stop to it. 
And what you don't have is a player that you can give it to who's a walking bucket that can stop that for you. So you, as the coach, have to get these guys' minds reset when they need to, when it needs to be. Get them focused back, back right. Use your subs the way you always do, maybe to change things up and change the energy. But you just can't sit here and say, well, I'm going to let them play out of it. Because against a better team than that tonight, You'll be in a situation where the game's close and you're down two or three and all of a sudden you're down 13 and, and you wonder what the hell happened and then it's too late. And and that's, that is a long, that is a bugaboo with Coach Rhodes going back to year one that really chaps me big time. And there's plenty of other people I know that feel the same way because we I've, I've seen the complaints in our game threads over it all the time. And, and, Mike Roach, you got to use these timeouts better, and you've got to understand that I you want to trust these players, and that's great because that's that's ultimately what you want to do and what you need to do for them to be successful. So that's awesome that you want to do that, but they got to earn that, and they've got to be ready for that. This team is not ready for that yet; they are still working it out, and and some of what happened tonight. Seven minutes without a basket at the end of the game to nearly cost you the game is I think nobody knows who's going to be the chief uh, when we get to the end of the game because, you know, there's all that, that old, the, sometimes you have the situation, famous old saying about too many chiefs and not enough Indians. We have plenty of Indians, but we don't have a chief at the end of the game, and we need one. We need somebody to be the flag bearer and say, okay, give it to me, get on my back. And I'm going to help carry us home. We don't have that yet. Hassan Ward could be that guy. The problem is, you know, he doesn't have, he still looks like he's relying a lot on transition and getting dunks and getting, you know, getting stick backs off of misses and that kind of thing. And that's great. And and, and I, and I'm not going to sit here and knock that totally because, you know, you look at, you look at the game he had tonight, uh, Ward's, Ward ends up with 14 points, 14 points and makes six of eight from the field. That's that's terrific. But I'm not sure without that kind of back-to-the-basket game that you need to have and, you know, and those little post moves that you need to have that Ward can be that guy. Maybe I'm wrong about that and we'll see. Uh, and, who, and who knows? On another night, Vince Williams is probably that guy. He didn't. He didn't have it tonight offensively, but he made some great plays when we needed him to, and that and and, and they were critical in, the, in winning this game. But right now, we got a lot of Indians. We don't have a chief, and we need a chief if we're going to win here. You need a flag bearer. You need somebody that you can hang your hat on at the end of the game. We don't have that. So the coach has got to make up for that by being by getting the team to to remind by reminding the team and using the timeouts to give them. A chance to mentally reset, take a deep breath, and figure it out. And then we got to see these, if these players can develop so that somebody develops into that kind of player or somebody says, I'm going to take this challenge and do it. Curry is a candidate as far as I'm concerned. Vince Williams is a candidate to do that, and that's what we may see by the end of the year. And certainly I'll say this, Curry's, Curry's um, defensive energy is infectious. Uh, it fired the crowd up. It fired his teammates up. He's he, He's got those elements of being a leader. 
because clearly the players, the, his teammates like playing with him, and clearly his energy spreads out to everybody else. And when he's getting in somebody's face and making, you know, and making life hard on them on the defensive end, everybody else seems to like it a lot and, and gets excited about it. So I love he could be that guy as well as much for what he does on the defensive end as offensive end. But we don't have that player that you can hang your hat on to get us the buckets we need at the end of the game. So the coaching staff's got to help. And the guys have got to play as a team. And that means moving the ball, passing it, sharing it, all the things your coach Rhodes talked about, being connected, moving without the basketball. You can't get away from that. It's tough because it, it takes a lot of energy to play that way on the offensive end. And so that's where VCU's depth uh, is a big thing. And that's, where, and, that, and that's the only other thing about this game that, that, that put me off a little bit is that we didn't get a lot from the bench. We didn't get a lot of minutes from the bench. Only Sohonis played over 10 – only Sohonis and Banks overplayed it when it went over 10 minutes off the bench. And I know you need to play your best players, but I'm not loving the fact that Curry had to play almost 34 minutes tonight. Uh, Hassan Ward was, you know, over 29 minutes tonight. Stockard was over 28. Uh, you need your best players to play, but the whole concept and approach is – and again – Maybe this is where I have to give Coach Rhodes credit. He realized that he needed his best players out there because the bench wasn't doing it. Uh, but this whole concept is going to work. This furious energy that they have to play with on both ends of the floor, that's not going to work if you don't have a lot of your players playing solid minutes off the bench, playing more minutes than what they did. But it, again, that's something else that could develop over time. All right. So it's a win. Thank goodness. Wagner on Saturday. Uh Lord willing, and and the uh, and the route's not too bad. I'm gonna hustle like heck to get home and be able to watch the game live. At least it's on ESPN Plus, so I will have my tablet with me so I can at least listen to the game as I'm driving back in if uh, if I get delayed. So I'm planning on a live video and in the fan group, and that's VCU Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, that will also be a podcast for you that will come out Saturday night or Sunday morning. So that's the plan for Wagner. VCU's one to know, thank goodness. And it wasn't great tonight, but hopefully it's going to be better. You know, you can't always hit the ground running in these games, and especially when you have as many new faces as they've got. Uh, working it out is 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 not easy at the start. So thank you all for listening. Uh, listen to us on Podbean. Rate, review, subscribe, share it around. Tell your, tell your friends. Uh, let's, it's the start of us. It's the start of what we're going to hope is another great season of basketball for VCU. I'm glad to be here doing it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.